0: And Jesus is real.
1: I mean the court of public opinion moves so fast and we have to As the people who put our faith and trust in God Believed in Jesus The only person that it really matters What he thinks is God And we're so busy fearing everybody Fearing this person like me The only person we should really be fearing is God And God what's your will? What's
0: your heart? What do you think God? We need to throw all the other concerns to the wind Remember, when you were a kid and you didn't want to do something, so you dragged your feet, taking as long as possible to get to it? It was delaying the inevitable. And as Pastor Daniel reminds us today, we can do that with God too. No matter how long we take, His will is still waiting for us. So let's not delay. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis 19.10 with his continuing study entitled Sodom and Gomorrah.
1: Would seem that homosexuality Is flourishing in America Today is not because there's a problem with Homosexuals the problem is is a whole culture That has rejected God And that is the outworking Of that rejection it's a symptom So if I have a cough The cough isn't the problem there's something in my lungs That's the problem Does it make sense and that's why I believe The greatest deterrent Against a culture that is Rejecting God is not more righteous laws, but is the people who believe in that God to follow hard after him and be a witness which will make the difference. I'm not saying we should just let laws go either. But that should not be our... The weapons of our warfare are our lawmaking? No. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds. So the reality is, is from cover to cover, homosexuality is seen as... An act that is in rebellion against God. Now, if, and I don't want to get too far into this because I'm going to end up talking about this in the summertime. But most people, when they say, well, listen, how can you say that homosexuality is wrong? I've always been that way. You guys ever heard that argument? That just comes naturally to me. And people are like, I don't know what to say about that. Let me explain this to you. The fact that it comes naturally, that's exactly the problem. For someone, same sex attraction comes naturally, that's the problem. Being really selfish comes very naturally to me. That's the problem. See, what comes naturally to all of us is the problem. For all of us. Because we inherited not the ability to make mistakes, to commit sins, but we inherited from Adam a sin disposition. That rebellion is our default condition. So for one person... Same-sex attraction is the rebellion. For somebody else, you can't go near a liquor store without drinking a six-pack. For somebody else, you can't go to a convenience store without buying $2,000 worth of scratch-offs. For somebody else, you need the nicest, newest thing, and right as the next one comes out, and you're in debt up to your eyeballs. For another person, you can't go buy Krispy Kreme without selling the place out. This is important. Listen, in our day and age... People think that sexual sin is the worst of all sins and same-sex attraction is the worst of all the worst kinds of sins. And I'm here to tell you that that's just dead wrong. For somebody who has same-sex attraction and someone who's judgmental and pharisaical in your heart, you both need the grace of God equally. So we need to stop as a church thinking that people who have same-sex attractions are the worst sinners. We need to start thinking like the Apostle Paul, I'm the chief of sinners. We all got our stuff all of us. And we're all radically in the need of the grace of God. I was talking to someone who's like, well, that's easy for you to say because you're heterosexual. I'm like, but listen, heterosexual sexual immorality is rampant in America as well. All people, no matter what your struggle is, no matter what it is, we are all equally sinners in need of salvation equally and we all come to jesus amen we all come to jesus the same way we come saying lord i am broken left up to my own devices god you are going to get radical rebellion and sure my rebellion looks different from that person's and that person's that one but it's it's not about their sin lord i want you to deal with my sin and as pastor bill taught us on sunday if we start taking the planks out of our own eyes then in humility we can go and say listen Listen, God's working on me. I am not, I have not arrived. But can we talk about something I see in your life? And it's not judgmental. It's not standing in the judge's seat. It's simply a brother broken or a sister broken going to another brother or sister saying, look, I love you enough to be concerned for you. And pray for me too. I got a whole plethora of my own stuff. Make sense? So we'll talk about this more. But we need to say this because people struggle with this stuff. How do we navigate this? I always tell people, how should we navigate homosexuals? I'm like, the same way we navigate all sinners. We love on them. We encourage them. We do not excuse sinfulness. And we point them to Jesus because Jesus can save anybody. He saved you and he saved me. That's the same for someone who's got a gambling problem, who's got a food addiction, who's got an alcohol addiction, who's got a drug addiction, who maybe someone in here is squeaky clean and you're more righteous than Jesus and you look down as a judge on everyone. We approach you the same way. We're all the same. We're all the same. So that's the homosexuality piece. And then, of course, you have Lot with his great ideas, offering up his daughters. Now, we read this and we think to ourselves, this is absolutely horrible. And it is. But the reality is, is that in that culture, I hate to tell you girls, women had no rights. They were considered to be property. Daughters were second-class citizens. And that is abhorrent to us. Why? Because America was founded on the teachings of the Bible where all people are created equal. And you look at every single culture where the gospel is not permeating the culture and you will find the same exact thing. Same exact thing. So the reason we even can say, this is awful, we say, thank you, Jesus. So you got to realize, you remember Ephesians chapter 5? And I'm not getting anywhere tonight. This is too, much. you know. (laughs) Remember in Ephesians chapter 5 when the apostle Paul in verse 22 says, Submit to one another in love, and then it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And women say, You have to be kidding me, the apostle Paul. I mean, how sexist can you be? Right? You guys heard that? The Bible is so, so sexist, and misogynistic, It's just horrible. And they, they throw all I'm like, Listen, you don't even get this. When the apostle Paul said, Wives, submit to your husbands. Nobody talked like that in that culture. Why? Because women didn't even realize they had the choice. When the Apostle Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands, he's saying, look, even though you're free in Jesus, still live this way. When they read that in Ephesus, they were just like the men's jaws dropped. Because no one ever, you can't find any writings like that outside of the Bible. Because nobody thought that way. Women just did what their husbands told them to. They didn't have jobs. They weren't educated. And if they didn't have a husband or an older son, they were on welfare. That's the way it went. So when Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands. He's saying, look, because you are free in Christ. Because God has set you free, glorious liberty. Don't just abandon your family but submit to your husband as you submit to the Lord. And if anybody's being sexist in that, the Apostle Paul's really tough on men. Because his wives you submit, men die for your wives. And I don't know about you, but if you said, hey, look, you get two choices. You either get to submit or you get to die. Which one are you going to choose? Right? There's three verses for girls and like seven for guys. I'm not getting anywhere today. You guys, Listen. Listen, I need to be serious about this for a second. You guys, you should never, ever tell your wife that she needs to submit to you, ever. You should love them the way Jesus loves the church and your wife will be happy because she knows that you are looking out for them more than you're looking out for yourself. See, servant leadership is easy to submit to. All of us in here and people listening online, you have committed your life to Jesus because you watched him die on a cross and be risen again. You're like, now that is somebody I can commit my life to. Don't think that by nature of your husbandship that you are deserving of submission. Don't think that. You should lead your family by being Christ-like and then it's easy to submit to a man who's like, look, He's looking out for me ahead of himself The reason most women struggle to submit to their husbands Is because they don't think their husband really cares about them He just cares about himself Make sense? Now, with that being the case Because we always got to qualify it Wives, you don't really submit to your husbands You submit to Jesus And your husband gets the benefit Husbands, you don't really die for your wives You die to yourself for Jesus And your wives get the benefit See, that whole submission, dying to yourself, that's all about us and Jesus and our spouses get the benefit of that. That's how that works. So when we read this, and I admit, I mean, I read this, I'm like, Lot is out of his mind. But the reality is, is that in every culture where the gospel of Jesus Christ is not part of the foundation, women have no rights. They have no rights. And in that culture, Lot was thinking he was doing good. He was thinking he was doing good. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up my daughters. And it's interesting because these men, to get back into the story here, these men, they're mad. Look at it in verse 9. Stand back. This one came to stay here. And he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. And they pressed hard against the man Lot. You realize what's going on here. They condemn Lot for judging them. And listen, sometimes when you stand up for righteousness, people are going to tell you that you're judgmental. Even though it doesn't really sound like he is being judgmental, if someone is saying that we're judgmental, we need to check our hearts. Am I really being? Because judgmentalism, as we learned on Sunday, is a heart condition. The difference between discernment and judgment is in the heart of the person making a decision. That's where it lies. It might look exactly the same on the outside. But it's interesting because they're mad at Lot. They're like, this guy came here to live with us. He's judging us. We're going to do worse. And they start pressing against him, which means they start trying to rape him. That's what this means. And it says that these angels, they reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house. This is verse 10. And then in verse 11, and they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. So the angels now intervene, To stop this by striking all the people who are in front of Lot's house with blindness. Now, this starts taking up, picking up the pace here in verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, or whomever you have in the city. Take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place. Because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-law's who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But to his son-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. Now you see what's going on now. Lot gets back in the house and the the angels say, look, we're here to destroy the city. So if you got anybody in the city, you better get them out right now. And it says that Lot goes to speak to his son-in-laws. Now you say to yourself, how does Lot have son-in-laws? I thought his daughters did not know a man yet. Now, remember, in that culture, much like Mary, the mother of the humanity of Jesus, her and Joseph were married, but they had never consummated the marriage. The way that worked is that people would, there was an arranged marriage. At some point, it became a legal marriage. And then at some point after the, that's called the betrothal, it's a legal marriage, but it's consummated later. So it would seem that Lot's two daughters already were legally married, although it had never been consummated. So they were betrothed to these men. So Lot goes, listen, they're going to destroy the city. And these guys said, guess what, Lot, you are loco. That's what they said. Now, we can make a good application here. Because when we start talking about God returning to judge the earth, and people say, man, that's just bonkers. You ever hear that? I had a friend say to me, who I grew up with said, "You know, Daniel, like you're, you know, you're always a smart guy. You know, you went to college. I mean, you really believe that some guy from two thousand years ago is going to come back on a cloud, and he's going to judge the whole world, like seriously?" I'm like, "Yep." But think about that. We believe that a guy from two thousand years ago is going to come back in the clouds and judge the whole world. It's kind of nuts, isn't it? It's totally nuts. It sounds like a fairy tale. Now, people always say, well, you know, Pastor Daniel, like, you're saying we're nuts, and we are nuts. But the reality is, is that the return of Jesus Christ is not nuts if the resurrection is true and the ascension is true. See, if the resurrection is true, that Jesus rose bodily from the grave after being dead for a way longer time than any sort of shock to the heart can bring him back, and he ascended. Bodily into heaven and him coming back is no problem at all But when we say, listen, God is God is going to hold you accountable for your life Because your life is that important to God When you say that to someone and say, that's nuts You must be out of your mind you, You're joking, right? Lot experienced the same thing And I want to encourage you not to be afraid of the court of public opinion I think for too long, Christians have been scared of people not liking their opinions so we don't share them. If you watch pop culture, the court of public opinion moves really fast. I remember there was a time when Britney Spears was the darling of the pop world, and then she became a a big joke to the pop world. Barack Obama got elected and was one of the most popular presidents for the first six months. And now he's the least popular president I mean the court of public opinion moves so fast And we have to As the people who put our faith and trust in God Believed in Jesus The only person that it really matters What he thinks is God And we're so busy fearing everybody Fearing this person won't like me The only person we should really be fearing is God And God what's your will? What's your heart? What do you think God? And we need to throw all the other concerns to the wind. So you know what? I realize that you may not like that opinion. I realize that's a minority opinion. But you know what? I'm going to love on people in Jesus' name. I'm going to hold to biblical morality. And I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it. Lot's son-in-laws thought that they were out of their minds. Now in verse 15, when the morning dawned, The angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while they lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, in verse 17, when they had brought them outside, that he said, Escape for your life, Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please know, my lords. Now, you see what's going on here? They're going to destroy the city. They told him to get out at night. Now it's the morning. And they have to take Lot out of the city. And what's the application? Be obedient without delay. Lot is dragging his feet. He's freaked out. He's not following well. And when we see Abraham being simply obedient, we say, yes. When we see someone dragging their feet, we're like, look at this. This is not what we want to be. Lot should have been long gone by the time morning came, but he was dragging his feet. So for you today, what are you dragging your feet on? What is the thing that God has asked of you that you are going slow on? I'd say, Lord, give me a good swift kick in the rear and get me going. And I hope I can talk with you guys that way. Because sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need someone to say, hey, listen, let's get this thing going. What are we waiting for? What's the problem? God has said, do this, let's do it. Let's not just talk about it. Let's not worry about it. Let's not drag our feet. It's interesting. In the middle of all this, it talks about how they took him by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. I love this. The Lord is being long suffering with Lot. Just the way the Lord is long suffering in his judgment. See, God is not capricious. God is not like kind of uh, just off his kilter where one minute he's happy, one minute he's sad. God is slow to anger. So God's judgment is not like flying off the handle when someone cuts him off when he's driving. God is long-suffering, he's waiting, he's looking for repentance, he's working for repentance, but there comes a time when it's time. And even though Lot's delaying, God, those angels just take Lot by the hand, they brought him out of Sydney. The they said, listen, get out of here, escape for your life. And I think that's a good, good teaching for us, sin, escape for your life. John Owen said it this way, you are either killing sin or sin is killing you. And we need to think about our own individual struggles in this light. You need to run for your life. Joseph did it. Remember Joseph, Jacob's favorite son. We're going to get to this in a couple months probably. When he was in jail and he ended up in Potiphar's house, a young man. In that culture, he would have been married a long time ago, but he was sold into slavery. He ended up in Potiphar's house. Not a married man, good-looking guy. And Potiphar's wife made a strong pass at him. And in that culture, someone like Potiphar didn't have an ugly wife. And Joseph, instead of giving in to that temptation, he ran for his life. He ended up in jail because of it. But he did not mess around. And see, if we realize the detriment that our sin has on our lives, we would deal with it much differently. We, sin is pleasurable for a season, so we like to play with it. We like to get close to it. We like to examine it because we really want to do it. But we instead need to run for our lives. That's what Jesus said. If your right hand causes you to sin, what should you do? Chop it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, what should you do? Pluck that baby out. Now, God is not a God of amputation. But what he's saying is, deal ruthlessly with your sin. Don't play around with it. Don't chill out. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It is a big of a deal. Life and death are at stake. And you are either killing it, or it is killing you. But the person who plays with the fire gets burned. And at the very least, smells like smoke. And I think that as People who follow Jesus, we need to take this seriously because it was so serious that God sent Jesus to die a brutal death on a cross for you and for me. And we don't want to play with sin. These angels come to lot and they say, listen, run for your life. And would to God that we would be people with whatever our struggles are that we would run for our lives. That we would see it as life and death this is not just playing around. Just, hey, I'm going to, it's no big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And if you ever wonder, is it really a big deal? Just look at the cross. Say, God, with the heart and eyes of faith, bring me to the foot of the cross when Jesus was forsaken by God after being brutalized. That's how serious this stuff is. I love this because these angels are like, look, escape for your life, bro. Don't even look back. Don't collect $200. Just go and don't stop. And I love that old hymn. The world behind me, the cross before me, what? No turning back. You ever try and walk forward when you're facing backwards? That's what you call trip and fall land. I have kids who do, I love my kids. But man, they love to be walking this way and they're looking this way. You know, and you you try and catch them before they walk into the You know, the doorpost. A lot of us, as we're trying to follow Jesus, but we're staring back longingly to the days of sin. And we wonder why we trip and fall and stumble. Man, we need to run for our lives. You might say, oh, Pastor Daniel, you're being so dramatic. No.
0: Jesus is... Lot was dragging his feet about getting out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And today, Pastor Daniel challenged us to face up to what we're holding back on. Lot's son-in-laws thought he was crazy for warning them, much like the world thinks we're crazy today. God does amazing things when we simply listen to His Word. He transforms and shapes us into His image as we are exposed to the Bible. Maybe after listening today, someone specific is on your heart. You know that this message is something they need to hear. Please log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. You can share this message to your Facebook timeline, tweet a link, or even embed the audio wherever you'd like. So log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and share this message with your family, friends, and neighbors. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus Is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will follow Lot and his daughters after they leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Things should get better after they're saved from the wreckage of the fallen city, but they don't. This family makes some disastrous decisions when they're under the influence of other things than the Spirit. That's all coming up next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.